encourage you guys to look at this and do this. We're going to have this, and we're going to make sure that it's available up online every Sunday. So even if you're meeting Sunday night, you can go online and you can get these questions. We'll, we'll help you with that if you have questions about that. But make sure you do that, even if, even if you're busy and you do it on your way to community group. That counts. Okay, but do it. Write some answers, and it's going to make that discussion so much better. And uh, one more thing I wanted to say, it's kind of long overdue, but this summer, you know, we had to deal uh, quickly with uh, the, uh, the leaving of our student ministry director. And I want to say a special thank you to Matthew Dion. Um, he's not here in this service, he'll be here in the next, but if you see him, say thank you so much, because he jumped in immediately and was willing to go to camp for a week to lead the, the youth group for the summer, and he did an excellent job with that. So make sure you tell Matthew Dion thank you for his service to our church in that way. Okay, you guys ready for our new series? Relationship goals. Relationship goals. Ooh. It's going to be a good one. This is going to be a good one. I don't know if you saw this story in the news a few weeks ago, but it was about a woman named Susan. And Susan had dreamed for years, probably decades, about her wedding. It was going to be a big day, and not just any big day. She said in her own words that she wanted to be a Kardashian for a day. So she and her fiancé had saved up about $15,000 for this wedding, but it still wasn't enough. They needed $60,000 to pull off their big day. So they sent out invitations, but in the invitations, and this is according to her own words, I want to tell you this, in the invitations they said, okay, we want you in lieu of a gift to us to give us a donation, a gift of $2,500. And if you don't, you can't come. Interesting, right? Guess how many people gave? <laughs> very few. Very few. They even set up a GoFundMe page to pay for their uh, Kardashian wedding, and they raised a huge sum of $250. So this woman, Susan, uh, started talking to her fiancé. She was really upset. Why aren't people giving money? What, what's going on? Don't, don't they want to support my dream? This has been my dream for years to have this big day and make it so special. Why don't they want to support me in my dreams? And it ended up that her fiancé said, well, you know what, maybe we just need to stick with our budget. Let's just go to Vegas. We can do it for so much cheaper. And in her own words, and she posted this on Facebook, she ripped him a new one. She had a whole bunch of expletives saying, I don't want to get married like those uh, trash hookers, (laughs) some other expletives, in Las Vegas. And because he didn't apologize, she called off the wedding, broke it off with him. What a terrible fiancé, right? He would suggest they stay within their budget. You know, if you saw that story, you're probably shocked like me. Like, what? That's Bridezilla to the max, right? That's, that's I mean, I, I've seen some Bridezilla, but that? I've done a lot of weddings. I mean, I've seen some women who want some, but $60,000 for all that, everybody else to pay? That's some expectations, isn't it? You know, we kind of laugh and chuckle at that. We laugh and chuckle at that scenario, but the, the reality is we all bring in different expectations, dreams, and hopes into our marriage and family life. We have different goals that we start out with. We can see in the, f- the future, oh, what it could be like. You, you have different expectations that, oh my gosh, we'll never fight. Those couples, they might, but we're not going to. We're going to make sure that we have dates every week. We're going to uh, have great vacations together. We're going to be uh, not wealthy, but we're going to be well off. We're going to have enough money to take care of what we need. And we're going to live in, in that location we've always dreamed out. And you have all these visions about the number of kids you're going to have, the number of dogs and goldfish you might have. And you have all these expectations that you bring into a wedding. We all 
do this. We all do this. And here's the thing, that when we do it, and we all do it, it can lead to some problems. It can lead to some problems. Because we all bring in those hopes, dreams, goals, and expectations into our weddings, into our marriage, into our parenting and family life. And it can cause some problems. I spoke a number of years ago with, uh, with a man, and he had been recently divorced. But this man was a believer. He was a Christian. He thought, I, I can't get divorced. There was no ground scripturally for him to get divorced. So he was working on his marriage for 11 years after his wife said, I want to leave you. 11 years he stayed living in the same house, trying to work at it and work at it and work at it and work at it. And I talked with him afterwards, like, and he was just sharing with me. He said, you know what the problem was? Expectations. We had different expectations, and and when they met, we couldn't meet each other's expectations for what we wanted out of this relationship, out of our family, out of our marriage. And he said, unfortunately, after 11 years, we finally had to just call it a day. We couldn't do it anymore. And I thought, you know, at the time, well, that means we just can't have any expectations, right? We need to just come in there with a clean slate. Whatever happens, happens. But here's the problem. Even if we do that and say, okay, we're just not going to have any expectations. Whatever happens, I'm just going to be married. We're going to have the kids that we're going to have. We're going to decide things as we go, figure out where we're going to live, how many kids we're going to have, how we're going to raise those kids, what we're going to do when we retire, all these expectations. If you say, I'm going to just put those off and we'll figure it out as we go. The problem is, is you still have those expectations. This is what happens. You think, oh, and you maybe even have talked about this. We're going to have sex every other night. And then you get busy. And you're not feeling well. And then someone's traveling. And now it's three weeks, three months. Oh, my gosh. And then you fight. Right? Is this what we do? Because we had this expectations, even if it was unspoken. Maybe you don't even realize it until the moment it arrives. Maybe you're saying, hey, you know, I always thought I always thought this. So so when it comes to parenting, you have your two year old and that two year old is starting to disobey because that's what they do. As perfect as your child is. Young parents, as perfect as your child is, they're going to reach two years old or so. And then you're like, I don't know. They're deliberately disobeying what I say. And maybe you're going to get in a big fight because maybe the, the spouse thought the other spouse was supposed to be in charge of discipline. Because in their house that they grew up in, the dad always took care of it. And then the dad says, OK, fine, I'll step in. Whack. <gasps> How could you do that? Because you had this expectation that no, 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 no spanking. Maybe you've never even talked about it, but I hope that you have. But that's the thing. We all have these expectations and dreams and goals and things that we drag into our marriage on our own. And it can cause some fights. I saw this equation the other day that happiness equals reality minus expectations. Heard that before? Happiness equals reality minus expectations. Because we have these high expectations when reality doesn't match it, it makes things worse and we're unhappy. But we're going to have expectations. We just naturally have them. Maybe you discuss them. You know, that's one of the great things about premarital counseling. If you're dating or engaged or thinking about it, get some premarital counseling. I do it. We have some other guys here on staff. We can do it for you because it's great to just start talking about this stuff. It's amazing how many people don't even talk about it. Or you talk about it and you assume the other person's going to change their mind. (laughs) Yeah, they said they don't want any kids, but I'll change them. They're going to want some eventually. Just wait till they're in their 30s. They'll want some kids. We have these things, and, and maybe we talk about them, maybe we don't. But no matter what, we have these expectations coming in to a relationship. About our marriage, about our family, 
And that's the problem. Because another issue is, even if you discuss everything under the sun, reality won't match your expectations. You don't have as many kids as you wanted. It's not happening. It's not happening at the time you wanted. Not happening with the genders you wanted. You say, okay, I I always thought we were going to live downtown, but we can't do it anymore. Or here's the other thing that happens. Maybe reality doesn't match your expectations, or maybe your expectations change. You've been there? You always thought you would live downtown, but then you have the kids and you're like, man, we can't do this. This loft isn't working out anymore. We need a yard. Good luck finding that around here. But we have these expectations, these dreams, these desires, even lofty, beautiful goals about what we'll do with our career. But then you get into it and you're there for a few years and you realize, no, no, this isn't working out. I'm going to switch careers. Well, that completely changes the financial expectations of your whole family and your spouse is fighting you. I thought you were going to do this for the rest of your life. I can't do it because our feelings change, our tastes change, our thoughts change, our expectations change, our dreams change. That's the problem. No matter what we do, even if we lay it all out before us in premarital counseling, talk everything, dot all our I's, cross all our T's, it's not going to line up with what you expected. And that leads to fights and anger and bitterness. Now, next week in our series, we're going to talk specifically about how to fight. <laughs> Because, yeah, yeah, you're right, you will fight. You will fight about pretty much everything. Some of those fights will keep going on and on and on. That's what next week's going to be about. But what I want to talk to you today about the goals that we set, the dreams, the expectations, the vision we have of the future, and what it should be. What it should be. Because I think every single one of us needs to change what our ultimate goal is in our relationship. What our ultimate goal is in our relationship. Um, because here's the reality about expectations. You may have this beautiful vision of your wedding, of how you're going to raise your kids, how you're going to retire, what your family life is going to be like, how you're all going to be sitting around the dinner table every night. You have these dreams coming in. But what it is, even if it's a beautiful dream that you have been, been know that that's the wisest thing, that's even maybe the biblical thing of way, the way things are, when you have this dream and vision in your mind and you tell it to your spouse, your significant other, It no longer is a dream that's beautiful. It becomes a burden weighing down on them. You always thought you'd put the kids through piano lessons or in that camp or or in that sport forever because that's what you did when you were a kid. But your spouse, that's like, man, we've got to pay for that. How are we going to pay for that? The expectation becomes a burden to the other person. You always thought so-and-so would stay home with the kids. I can't stand it i got to get a job. And then you fight. Your expectation becomes a burden on someone else. This is what happens in relationships, isn't it? And that's why we need to lay it out. We need to talk about our relationships. We, we, I mean, our expectations. We need to talk about our goals. We need to talk about our vision. Because most of us need to alter it slightly. And I'm not saying get rid of them. You should talk about them. You should be very open with these things. But what I'm saying today is that we need to have a completely different goal in our relationships. So in this series called Relationship Goals, we are going to focus a lot on marriage, a lot on parenting, but I think it can apply to all of our family life. So I'm going to talk specifically about marriage today, and in the last message in our series, a lot about marriage. Next week will kind of be about all your relationships, and the third week will be about um, parenting and about kids with their parents, and that's our family service that we're going to have on the 30th. Um, But in this series, what I want you to do is kind of put it through your own lens. I know some of you are freshly married. Oh, everything's great, and you're thinking, oh, that'll never happen to me. 
Just learn and plan and say, maybe if it does someday, kind of take some notes. If you're young and you're like, I'm not married, I'm not going to be married for a decade or more, just take some notes. Plan ahead. This is going to help you. If you're here and you've been married for a while and you're like, man, I need some help right now, good. If you're like, I wish my spouse were here to hear this, but maybe it's for you. Listen for you today and then tell your spouse to listen to it as well. Okay, this whole series is going to be good. It's going to be a short series. I think it's just going to be four weeks. Just going to be four weeks. So just this month. And I want you guys to commit to being here every week in this series. I want you to commit to it. And if you can't, you're like, man, I'm traveling or whatever. Watch it online. You can watch the live stream. You can watch after the fact. We have our video and audio up online at stapletonchurch.com. But I want you to commit to these four messages to listen and to learn and to not think first, so-and-so needs to hear it. Right? Think about you first. And how we can set our relationship goals right. So what we're going to do today, I know that was a long introduction, right? We're going to look at Ephesians 5.21. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and look there. We're going to focus on one verse today and really unpack it because it's going to set up the rest of the section. In this series, we are staying in the book of Ephesians, primarily in chapter 5. And the reason is because the Apostle Paul gave this great instruction for family life. To wives, to husbands, to parents, to kids. There's a section for each of them. But he starts it out here in verse 21, kind of laying a foundation for all that's going to follow in this section. That's where we're going to stay in this series. In Ephesians 5.21, if you could read that with me, Paul writes, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Big passage today. A lot of meat in there. There is. And maybe you should memorize this because it's pretty short, right? I think we can get this. But I'm doing this because this kind of lays the entire foundation for the whole section on family that's coming next. Submit to one another, Paul writes, out of reverence for Christ. And this is so important as a foundational goal because here's the thing. You have your dreams. You have your hopes. You have expectations. And they change over time. And so does your spouse. And then your kids come in. And then you have different visions of that. And they have different visions of what it's like to be a kid. And all these things are mixing. And it's so tough. But what your goal needs to be, instead of I have this dream of what my life could be like, is how can I do what's best for them? How could I do what's best for my spouse? How could I do what's best for my kids? How could I do what's best for him? How could I do what's best for her? That's what he's saying. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, we're Americans. We don't like the word submit. We just don't. It's not part of our cultural heritage. We like rebellion. We like rebels. But no, no, no. We are commanded. We are taught that we must submit to one another. Now, submission is something we all do. It's because we're saying to another person, I'm going to put you first. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to do what's best for you first. Submit to one another. That's what it's commanding. And I learned a little bit about submission this morning as I was driving a little too fast on my way to church and I saw a flash. You been there? Yeah. That's your pastor. Hope they got a good photo. I'm going to have to submit, aren't I? I have to submit to the speed limit or I have to submit to the penalty. That's how it works. I just have to do it. But most of us don't even realize that in our marriages, in our family, we have to submit to one another. We have to do that. So what I today is our big idea is that we need to have a submission competition. Have a submission competition. I get this phrase from Andy Stanley. I think it's so helpful. A submission competition. We're trying to outdo one another in submitting to each other. 
How can I do what's best for you? How can I serve you? How can I see what's best for your goals and dreams and find them? Because here's the reality. If you do that for the other person and they do it for you, you will both have the greatest life. You will have a healthy, happy marriage. I'm sure you've heard pastors talk about, okay, if, if there's one board like this and there's another board like this and they lean together, they lean together, right? And they can hold each other up. But if it's just one, it's like that, right? I was going to get some boards and then I thought, no, oh, you guys have probably seen that before. But you have to lean together, right? And if you lean together, you can support each other. So that's what we're going to talk about today. You have to do that for a healthy marriage, and for a healthy family to work. Now, if we can pull up um, Ephesians 5.21 again, I want you to see this verse. Now, this verse actually comes, if you're reading, some of your Bibles have like a heading right after it, because it comes at the end of a section where it's talking about how to live as Christians in the church. It's teaching us things about how to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And the last thing it says is submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So this could be applied to the entire church body that we submit to each other. You submit to your pastor. I submit to you to do your best. And there's just this mutual submission going on in the church. That's where it's taught. But then immediately after, in the next verse, it says, wives, submit to your husbands. But here's the thing. In the original Greek, that verse does not have the verb submit in it. Verse 22, it's been added in English so you can kind of understand it better. What it's saying is, wives to your husbands. That's what it says literally in the Greek. Why? Because it's building off of this verse. Wives, you cannot submit to your husbands unless you first learn as a couple that you must submit to one another. You must submit to one another. So here's the thing. Some of you come in, maybe you're not a Christian, maybe you've heard things about Christianity and teaching in the Bible. Maybe you've grown up with some things that you're like, I don't think that's fair. Okay, that's not, that's not right in modern America. But here's the reality, is that the Bible is so clear before anyone else was in the ancient world, that men and women are equal. From the very beginning, when God created everything, the first thing he said about humans in Genesis 1.27 says this, So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male, he created them. No, it doesn't say that, does it? From the very beginning, it says male and female, he created them. Both men and women are created in God's image. They are equal in God's eyes. In another place, in Galatians 3.28, this is reinforced. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. We have to understand this. That the Bible from the beginning has laid out this foundation that men and women are equal in dignity and respect. They are both made in the image of God. And that's why we can have something like mutual submission. Now, some of you are like, well, what about the Bible talks about the different roles of men and women? Why does it say then the next verse, women submit to your husbands? We'll get to that. But that's not this week. The Bible teaches two truths at the same time. One is that there's equality between men and women. But it also teaches that there are differences between men and women. You might think you're modern and more civilized and there are not differences. There are there are. There are studies that even prove it today. There are differences between men and women. We're going to talk about that in one of our messages in this series, not today. Because if you don't understand that men and women are equal, then you're not going to be able to talk about the different roles that men and women are called by God to have. You just can't do it. You just can't do it because what happens is then one person thinks they're better than the other person and they set themselves up above and over the other person and it leads to them being bold, the other person being bulldozed, right? And that's not healthy. It's not good. It's terrible. And here's the other thing I want you to say about this. I know we're going to talk about this more in that fourth message when we talk about the differences between men and women and husbands and wives. But I do want to say this. 
that most of us who have thrown out biblical roles of husband and wife and say, oh, no, we're all completely equal. We do the same thing. We can. Most of you are throwing out not the Bible. You're throwing it out. Leave, leave it to Beaver. You're throwing out this American vision of the wife barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen and the husband coming in with his suitcase and, okay, honey, what's for dinner? That's not what the Bible talks about. You find that in the Bible and show it to me. It's not there. We'll get to that. We'll talk about the different roles of men and women later. But I just want to say that. Let's start with this foundation together today. If you want to have healthy relationships, if you want to achieve the the best goals and dreams, what you need to realize is that we must submit to one another. We must submit to one another. We must seek the best of the other person, not our own best. Because as you do that, you will find your own best in that. You will find your own best as you seek the best of the other. So... I, I do want to admit that there are people who interpret that verse, Ephesians 5.21, if we can pull it up again. There are people that interpret it and say that's just for wives. There are. They say, well, look at the next verse. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. But this verse very clearly says, submit to one another. And I looked up, I did this for you guys because I care about you. I looked up one another in the New Testament. There are exactly 100 instances of this one, it's one verb in, or I'm sorry, one word in Greek. There's 100 instances in the Bible. There's about 30 so that are commands like this. Submit to one another. You maybe have heard them before. Love one another. Serve one another. Accept one another. There's all these commands. You've heard them, right? Every single time I could find, I looked at all 100 of them. Every time it was talking about both people or or the whole group of people, the one another. There wasn't one instance where it says, okay, husbands eh, are excluded from this one another. I think Paul would have said that if they were. So I believe clearly the Bible is saying we submit to one another first. Okay? Tracking with me? just want to make sure you guys are following. So we must submit to one another. So here's a few aspects of what that should, could and should mean for your relationships. Is that you seek their best. You seek their best. Am I thinking about what their interests are in whatever the scenario is. Maybe it's a move. Maybe it's planning uh, where you're going to be having your, your holidays together. Because, man, that, that expectation you come in with, oh, we're just going to alternate holidays between the two families. And then you spend a week with the in-laws, and you're like, I don't think so. Right? That, that expectation becomes a burden. Following me? thing is, well, we need to seek the best of your spouse. Seek the best of the other in your relationships. Seek the best of the other. So what does that mean? Well, we've got to learn what the best of the other is. In Philippians chapter 2, if we can pull that up, in Philippians 2 it says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. What are the interests of the other person in my relationship? What would be best for them? What would be best for them? And when you seek their happiness by trying to figure out what they like, I mean, it's simple things like what kind of movies you like. I found found a study this week that said if you watch movies together, you have a healthier, happier marriage. Isn't that weird? Watch movies. So what's the movie the other person wants to watch? What's the hobby the other person wants to do? Where does the other person want to live? How many kids do they want to have? Always finding that out. John Piper said this about marriage. In marriage, each partner should pursue his or her own joy in the joy of the other. In a marriage, your happiness 
is dependent on the other person's happiness. Happy wife, happy life, right? There was another study that showed that. There's another study that I found that for those people who do find their happiness in the other person and their spouse is happy, they are literally healthier and have better outcomes in their life. You are healthier if your spouse is happy. So if you want to live a long life, make sure your spouse is happy. Isn't that weird? Some of these studies are like, what? But it makes sense. If my joy is in the joy of the other person and I'm making them happy, then I will also be happy. We're seeking the best of each other. And what this means, men, talking to you in particular right now, we need to find out what their best interest is. We can't just assume we know. Wives too. But we need to ask. Parents, you need to ask your kids. It's good to do that. Kids, you should ask your parents. What do you think I should do in this situation? What if we're always asking and listening too at the same time? Because that's the, the harder part. It's the harder part. Sometimes we assume we know what's best for that person. But we need to ask them, talk with them, have discussion to really find that out. We need to ask them to find those kind of things. Now, that's how we find the interests of others. So I want to encourage you guys to have some conversations about this. Whenever there's a decision coming up, ask the other person, what do you think? How does it apply to you? What are the pros and cons for you? Focus on that first. What, how does this benefit the other person? Will this fulfill their dreams, their expectations and hopes? How does it fit? Seek the good of the other person. Um, I found this quote from Brooke Parsons. I'm sorry, Brooke Parsons. He says, the love language of all marriages is self-denial. I say this because the five love languages are really popular. Some of you read the book or heard about it. There's these different love languages. People have acts of service, words of affirmation, um, physical touch. You know, there's all these, these five different love languages. And it's good to learn the other person's love language. But here's the thing. The best love language of all is self-denial. We're seeking the best of the other person. And the love language concepts concept makes sense because you figure out your um, love language and you're like, man, I really like physical touch. (laughs) So you're always giving your spouse a back rub and they're like, I wish you would just do the dishes. (laughs) They don't care about the back rub because their love language is acts of service. Right? Or or you're like, oh, I'm going to go home and on my way home from work, I'm going to get three dozen roses. It's going to be beautiful, awesome, because your love language is gifts. And you come home walking in the door And your spouse is so angry. Why are you late? Because their love language is time together. And they need that time together. See, and they don't care if you're bringing in the roses. They just want to spend time with you. We need to understand that the other person is different. And what's best is their best. Always. What's best is their best. Always. It's mutual submission. It's a submission competition. It's a submission competition. Here's another thing, another study I found. This is by the University of Georgia. And they looked at a whole bunch of couples, hundreds of them, and they found out that the couples, the single biggest denominator for having a happy, successful marriage was whether the spouses showed gratitude to the other person. If they told them thank you, if they told them you're doing a great job, if they told them how awesome they think they are. That's the single biggest denominator in healthy, happy marriages. So if we're seeking the best of each other, we're going to build each other up. We're going to support each other. We're going to encourage. We're going to thank them. We're going to tell them how great they are, even if we know all the bad things about them. Because that's what happens too, right? You learn all their bad habits. 
But if we're saying, I, I see the best in you, I, I'm going to encourage the best in you, I'm going to thank you, and I'm going to talk well about you. When you're doing that, seeking the best of the other person always, it's actually going to make your marriage and your life happier as well. So I want to encourage you guys to do this. Submission, competition. Have this between your spouses. Now, some of you are thinking, Matt, that'll just make me a pushover. That'll just make me a pushover. Here's the thing. If you voluntarily submit yourself to another person, voluntarily serve them, seek their best, love them, encourage them, and always say, I I, want to put them first above myself. If you do that voluntarily, you are not a pushover. Because Jesus was not a pushover. When you voluntarily serve someone else and do something good for another person, loving them, showing them kindness, building them up, if you do that volunteering, you're the opposite of a pushover. You are more like Jesus Christ. Because you know, even Jesus submitted to his Father in heaven. He submitted to others in service to them. And then when he came to a point in his life where he knew he would be crucified, even though he had no, committed no sin, he would be facing this execution and this punishment, though he deserved it not. When he faced that, he prayed to God, God, take this away from me, but only if it's in your will. He said that. In, there's a place in the Gospel of John in chapter 6. Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. Jesus' entire life was a life of submission to the Father in heaven, to those he served, and to us. Because he went and died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Jesus wasn't a pushover. There's something beautiful and profound when someone voluntarily submits to another person. I'm not saying it's easy. Oh, it's difficult. But if you're saying, I'm going to lay aside my expectations and goals and dreams, and I'm going to pursue and support theirs, you will have the happiest, healthiest marriage possible. We need to have a submission competition. And that's what it says, isn't it? In verse 21, submit to another why? Out of reverence for Christ. Verse 21. Out of reverence for Christ. That word reverence could be translated as fear, and the fear of the Lord and the fear of, of Christ because he's so good and so important. If we just say, look at what Jesus has done, how could I not do this for someone else? This is our motivation for it. If Jesus would willingly even go and suffer and die for someone else, how could I not do that? Because he died for me. We submit to one another. We have a submission competition out of reverence for Christ. Out of reverence for Christ. If you're saying, well, Matt, my spouse wants me to do something sinful or harmful, well, don't do it. Okay? Don't do it because our submission is above our spouse, above our family, to God. To our Father in Heaven. And if our Father in Heaven says something's wrong, doesn't matter what anyone below them says, we don't do it. Okay? Just want to say that and put out that if it's sinful or harmful, don't do it. That's not submitting to their best. Because sin brings punishment. Here's the other thing. If you're here saying, Matt, I wish my spouse would listen to you. If they would just do it. Ugh. Some of you are even elbowing your spouse today. I saw it. I get it. My wife's probably like, Matt, are you hearing yourself? If you're thinking, I wish so-and-so were here, or maybe you're like, Matt, I believe this, I want to do this, but my spouse isn't a believer. 
gets tricky this way. How can I know the other person's going to go first? How can I, or, or, or follow after? But here's the thing, you don't. But we're not called to submit after they submit. We're called to submit. So if you are that Christian and your spouse isn't a Christian or you're living like a Christian and they're not living like a Christian, they have never heard this, maybe they're not here today, they don't care, they don't want to do anything that the pastor might say, go first. Go first, especially if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. But even if you're not, this is going to help your marriage. Go first. How can we not be the ones to go first? And I want to give you this challenge today. For this month, month of September, we're already a few days in. But this month of September, just go through this series. I want to challenge you. It's about 20-something days. 21, maybe. 21 days. I want to challenge you to put the other person first. Submit to them. Seek their best. Serve them. Ask them what their dreams and desires are. And then figure out a way to accomplish them. Put them first for the next 21 days. Just try it. It's a challenge to you. And I think if you try it for 21 days, you will see reciprocation. Maybe not perfect at first, because perfect submission is really hard. We're going to mess up at this a lot, because we always seek our best interests first. But if we can just, for 21 days, focus on the other person, focus parents on your kids, kids on your parents, how can I seek their best for the next 21 days? I guarantee you, you will see some benefits from it. That's my challenge to you. For 21 days, practice this. Have a submission competition. So if we can have um, the band come on up right now. If we can have the band come on up. Um, I hope this series is going to be helpful to you in your relationships. I know some of you are like, Matt, I'm single. I don't care. You get to sit back and just pray for the rest of us, right? Just say, thank goodness that's not me. For the rest of us, we need to learn to submit to one another out of reference for Christ. So I want to do something. If I can have all of... Uh, just Let's have everybody stand up right now. But if you're here with... I want you to grab their hand and hold hands right now. A little PDA in church. I want you to hold their hands. And I'm going to say a prayer for you right now. I want you to squeeze pretty hard too, okay? So would you guys please bow your heads with me right now? Lord God, I pray for these men and women who are here today, these families, these couples. And I pray a blessing on them. Would you teach them to submit to one another? out of reverence for you because you willingly submitted to the Father you willingly submitted even to the point of death in service to us help us to do that for one another I pray that you build up and strengthen marriages and families in this month for those people who are in a rocky place or who are struggling in their relationships Lord God bring healing bring hope and I pray for all of us that we would be more like you that these men and women, these husbands and wives, would learn to submit to one another out of reverence for you. That they would have a submission competition. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.